Welcome to the Caregiver Conversations podcast. My name is Antonia Harbin-Lamb, and I am the Program Manager for Great Lakes Legal Mediation Division. The purpose of this podcast is to provide information and resources for caregivers so that they can be more successful and effective caregivers. This podcast is being sponsored by the PREVENT Initiative. The PREVENT Initiative funds programs focused on elder abuse and neglect prevention. Today, I am happy to have with me my brother, Anthony Harbin. Thank you for joining me today, Anthony. Thank you for having me. Today, we will be discussing our own personal caregiver story. Just to give some background, our father had a stroke about five years ago, and at that time, he was in the hospital for several weeks, going through physical therapy, learning to walk again. At that time, Anthony became our dad's full-time caregiver when he came home. Since then, our father was hit by a car in 2017. And with that accident, he broke his leg in five places and his hand in five places. And he's been a diabetic for over 60 years. Uh, So that was a very complicated situation. He is doing very well, but he still needs a lot of assistance to this day. In the last three years, we have shared more of the caregiver responsibility. I took on a lot of the legal battles and logistical issues, and Anthony was still more involved in the day-to-day. But at this time, we have professional caregivers in place, so that is very helpful. But going back to when you were a full-time caregiver, Ant, can you give us a little bit of information about your experience during that time? Absolutely. First of all, foremost, thank you for having me on this platform. I, I've never really been able to talk about my experience as a caregiver, so this is going to be really refreshing for me. So going back five years ago, like you mentioned, our father had a stroke. In that stroke, he lost mobility in his leg. Speech was off. Equilibrium was off. And during his time in the hospital, he was in the hospital for over a month. I would go there every single day. And to give you a little bit of a backstory, I'm 33 now, but when I was 22, I actually had a stroke. And they never really found out what was the reason for the stroke, but I was able to overcome losing my vision, my equilibrium being off. So seeing my dad lay there, I was able to relate and put myself in his shoes. And I was able to come back. So when he came out of the hospital after 30 days, I something in me, just as something took over me, this boldness that said, I'm going to take care of him. And at the time, I was 27, middle of my bachelor life. So I had to make a lot of sacrifices. And um, it was very tough. When I brought him home, the first day we brought him home, I just said, wow, this is going to be extremely different. I had a roommate at the time. And unfortunately, his, it changed his life. At the time, I was working for a logistics company. And I had to switch my shift from working uh, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. So I would work a night shift, and then I would come home, sleep for a couple hours, and take care of my father during the day. My experience was every day is a new journey. It was a sacrifice. I gave up a lot of friends. I had a lot of struggles at first dealing with my father, being at home with me because, again, he wasn't able to walk. He wasn't really able to talk, and... My father was my role model growing up, so seeing him in that position mentally was was draining on me. But 
every morning we would uh, we would get up, we would make breakfast, we would put on some inspirational, motivational uh, music or inspirational motivational speeches by Les Brown, Jim Rohn, and I would subconsciously put these things in his head. And uh, you know, over time, he uh, got something in him. So he said, "Man, I'm gonna get back going." And uh, it was it was like I said, it was a very tough experience. It, w- it went on for over three years. During that time, I had to sleep on the floor. I gave up my bed to him. Uh, as far as a mental health standpoint, my mental health was off a little bit because of the the routine of the day-to-day. It was just very tough for us. It was, you know, we've had a lot of sacrifices. Um, you know, money wasn't coming in like we needed it to. So my dad taught me the, the art of survival, you know, uh, being able to make something out of nothing. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I would do it over again if it, if it was the case. But... Uh, it was a tough experience, but it was a great experience. Thank you for sharing that with us, and Actually, some of those things I don't think you had even shared with me. So what did you learn from your caregiving experience? Can you pinpoint just a few things that you would say you learned from this experience? Uh, yes. The first thing I, will learn, I learned was the power of patience. At the time, I think my dad was like 68, 69 and I'm a 26-year-old, I had to slow down. And I didn't want to slow down, but I had to because of his health was most important. You know, by him being a diabetic and, you know, losing his mobility to walk and even talk, I had to be on watch in terms of his blood sugar and in terms of his, uh, you know, his, his intake of food. So I had to be patient. I had to sacrifice a lot for myself in terms of, you know, not doing the, the average things that normally a 27-year-old would do. At the time, I I didn't like my job. So having my dad when I came home was motivation to me to figure out another plan, to figure out a way. So uh, another experience, another thing that I learned was uh, my motto and our motto was 1% a day. Every day we had this motto, we would give it all we can, and every day would be 1%. So over a year, 365 days, you're up 365%. And... Fast forward, you know, during this process, dad, he wasn't able to walk. He wasn't able to talk. But two years later, he went from being in a wheelchair to walking on a cane and then walking without a cane. And I was able to videotape and capture it over Facebook and social media. So we were able to, we didn't even know we were expiring other people, mm-hmm. you know. So it was a, it was a great experience. And, and lastly is the power of faith. And that should have been, actually been number one. Every morning I have a field in my complex. I would go out to the field at 6 a.m., before I switched over to the night shift, but I would go out in the field and I would just pray and I would just meditate and I would just visualize my dad walking again. And it happened. Wow. Yeah, that that is very powerful. Those are some great tips, you know, great learning experiences that others can uh, really take part in. What about advice that you would give others, you know, that those who are going through a similar experience or... Just some general caregiver advice. What would you tell someone? Airplane mode. And what I mean by that is when you're on an airplane and they tell you before you take off and if this airplane goes down, what do you have to do? You got to put the mask on yourself before you can help anybody else. So that is one thing that I had to do in the process of taking care of my dad. I would do two yoga sessions a day, hot yoga to get all the stress and all the worry and all the frustration off of me to go back and take care of him. 
So advice I would give is to other caregivers, make sure that you're taking care of yourself first because if you can't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of somebody else? When they're depending on you to uh, do things that you it's not comfortable doing. Caregiving is similar to a teacher. They're not even paid enough to do the job. And at the time when I, when I took my dad home, I was actually went through an a agency that you know got me certified as a CPR certification. They taught me how to caregive and... You know, I, I was getting paid to do it, but I was doing it out of love. I didn't even, you know, being paid was just an added benefit. So some advice I would give is if you're doing this just for a check, you're in the wrong industry. Right. Yeah, that's definitely some great advice. And when I think about uh, some advice that I would give, I would make sure that you have the proper authority as a caregiver to act on behalf of your care recipient or your loved one making sure that you've discussed that they should have power of attorney documents in place so that you're able to take care of their finances, their health care, if something were to happen where they're not able to do it themselves. And sometimes even in these situations, I think for the most part, our dad was able to comment on, you know, what he wanted, what he desired things like that. He didn't have any capacity issues, but it's still a good idea to have those documents in place because sometimes you do need to get information as a caregiver and you don't want to be put in a situation where you are frustrated and can't get the information you need to actually supply the care that that person needs. So I would just recommend that. And I would also say as a some advice too is that you make sure that you, you know, try to take care of that person and think about and have conversations with them about the things they desire. You know, don't try to take over their lives, you know, try to implement quality into their lives and the way that they know it and the way that they desire to live because it still is their life. And So that's something that I would really recommend. I think that most care recipients really appreciate being included in their own life. I want to add something to your point, too, Antonia. Um, Like you mentioned, we have caregivers now for our father after this accident. But, you know, some some great advice that I would give from experience and and observing the caregivers now, know what your, your patient needs before they even need it. You know, I've observed at the facility where our father is now that, you know, they know the food my father needs before he even needs it, or they know the time he needs to take his his blood sugar, or they know what he wants to wear on a Monday or what he wants to wear on a Tuesday. So that gives them the ability to have confidence and move with a little bit more pep in their step when they know they have somebody that truly cares about them. Right. Absolutely. It inspires them to get better, I think, too. That's a great tip, too. Now, what is one thing you wish you would have known about caregiving before you became a caregiver? Uh, again, it would go back to sacrifice. Again, like I was 27. I lost a lot of friends during this time just because they wanted to go out and hang out. And I said, man, I can't do it. And I didn't know I was going to lose these friends. And some of these friends are some of my closest friends. But that is one thing I, I wish I would have known before. But again, I would do it again in a heartbeat. So, you know, it is what it is. Okay. That's great, Aunt. Now, tell us an obstacle that you've overcome as a caregiver. 
the obstacle that I overcame as a caregiver, and you know, it, it's probably uh, a different situation for you know caregiver depending on you know if they're caregiving for their family member or caregiving for a profession. Um, like I mentioned at the time, I was uh, working a night shift while I was taking care of my dad, and it got to the point where my mental health took a toll on me to the point where I said, man, I can't work this job anymore. So having my dad there and me caregiving for my dad, he was actually caregiving for me in terms of helping me start my own business. And he was an entrepreneur growing up, so he knows the the ins and outs of entrepreneurship. So at times where I was doing a faith walk and he would tell me, hey, man, just go do it, you know. So it was a battle that I had to deal with, but we were we were, it's like a dance. We were working each other. I was working out with him during the day at the gym and he was working out with me at home in terms of, you know, business or uh, the mindset to have as an entrepreneur. So that was a, a big hurdle that I had to overcome. And it got to the point where, like, again, I left my job. I started my own business in the steel industry, not knowing a whole lot about it. And it got to the point where I went from nothing to having a contract. And I remember taking my dad up there to the first contract that I had up in Ann Arbor at the VA hospital. And he was just so proud of me. It was just a huge battle that we both went through. And it was just like, man, we made it. And and now seeing him in this new situation, being hit by a vehicle going 45 miles an hour and almost losing his leg, doctors saying all type of crazy stuff, saying we have to cut his leg off and stuff, and knowing that those same principles that we were rooted in during this stroke period and faith and patience and visualizing, I knew he was going to get through this battle. So, and that's what he's doing right now. Absolutely. That is what he's doing. He, he's much, much better and stronger and very mentally sound. So it's it's been a great outcome being caregivers and the benefits that we've experienced too. I would say in terms of an obstacle, I would just say the thing that I had to get over is asking for help. Sometimes, you know, I like to think that I can do a lot and you know, balance a lot of things and juggle a lot of things. But sometimes you do need help. You, and a lot of times you do. You need resources. You need to ask if, you know, people know certain things that you may not know or have certain relationships. You need to really see if you can investigate those things and don't be afraid to ask for help because you are taking on a big responsibility and you don't know everything. Now, the last thing I wanted to see, if you can tell us how would you encourage a caregiver at this point, knowing all that you do know? Wow, that's a tough question. Again, it's going to come down to you having a passion and a love for taking care of someone. So I know just based off experience with dad's situation and his caregivers, they get to know dad. They get to know who he is. So what I would say is get to know your client. You know, sometimes people put up this blocker because they have to take care of somebody that this person is mean or this person is that. But if you actually get to know them, and sometimes you may not be able to, but if you do, I think that will open up and break a lot of ice. So really get to know who it is that you're taking care of. And again, it gives a, not only a comfort level to your client, but to those family members as well, because we've definitely witnessed, you know, times where, you know, you, you trust your loved ones with someone else and they're doing things that they're not supposed to. So, That's great advice, Ant. That really is. And I would second that. 
Well, thank you for joining us today, Anthony. This is Antonia Harbin-Lamb. Thank you for listening. For more information about our mediation program and more podcasts, please call 313-937-8282 or find us on Facebook at Great Lakes Legal Mediation Division. It's where families coming apart come together.